0: come on on and pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket it's time for the 27 club or welcome into the 27 club i don't know we're still figuring it out here guys yeah uh the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in hosted by your own 27 year olds it's pete
1: and i'm fresh 27 year
0: old pj pj yeah you just learned the 27 year old handshake the secret handshake It's just 27 jack-off motions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is really.
1: You know that holds up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Um, you know, as these in this age when you start maturing and like you know, you're starting to move into a later time of life, maybe you're more serious in your relationships or you're, you know, buying a house or something, having kids. It just really makes sense that you would want to honor your more immature days.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean yeah. what 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 is life without a little bit of hilarious jerking off humor? Honestly? I've, I've always said that.
0: It's not a life worth living, PJ. Exactly. That's right.
1: Much like these folks don't anymore.
0: <laughs> the day the jerk off humor died.
1: My favorite Don McLean song.
0: Same same day the music died. Because, yeah, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, welcome to the... 27 club or club 27 if you want to call it that um that's if we started a nightclub themed around the 27 club yeah. we call it club 27 god do you think that's a thing i guarantee that's a probably. fucking thing already yeah. um it was probably a version there was probably that club in like 1978 and it was just all disco versions of 27 club member songs yeah yeah and you know what honestly pretty fucking bomb
1: i would so. i'd go <laughs> yeah
0: yeah Well, this week uh we're starting our first this is gonna be a little bit of a weird podcast because of our format here. Uh we're gonna do we're gonna cover several musicians as we laid out in our first episode. Some of them we're only gonna do one episode on if they're a little less well known or if they were a member of a band. Uh where maybe if they
1: only had one album.
0: Sure, yeah. Um or like, yeah, if they're a member of a band where they weren't like the main songwriting member or whatever, you know, we just, we might cover them a little bit less in one or two episodes. Yeah. But if there's an artist who's either a solo artist or is like the main voice of their band, like a, a Jim Morrison or a Kurt Cobain type, we're going to cover the whole band's discography. Um. And so today we're starting our first multi-episode run uh, talking about James Hendrix, PJ.
1: The man, the myth, the legend. That's and right. that's just describing his wiener.
0: The only left-handed guitar player to ever live. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Have uh, you
1: heard so, the thing yeah. about Jimi Hendrix's wiener?
0: No, I've never heard anything about it.
1: Apparently it's Giant. Um, that, he's like... yeah. I don't know where I heard that, but he's like one of the people who they reference when they're like, Ed Begley Jr., Wilt Chamberlain, Jimmy and Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Apparently all very well endowed men. Will Chamberlain had, of course he is, no he's idea. eight feet goddamn tall. But
0: Yeah, at that point it would be weird if you had a small paint. you know, it'd just be so yeah. out of proportion. Yeah. So
1: even yeah. a normal sized one would look weird on that frame, you know.
0: That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. It, it would just be ridiculous. So
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so Jimmy Jimi Hendrix, let's uh let's jump right into it since we have a lot of uh, biography to go through before we get to his first album. <sighs> uh, the To Man Was Born in 1942, in Seattle, Washington, uh, an army brat, kind of, not really. Uh, so his did dad. did he really invent the grunge scene? Yeah, exactly. So. He's you know Neil Young, grandfather of grunge. Jimi Hendrix, let's call him uh, the 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 weird cousin it of grunge. <laughs>
1: ah. <laughs> Is that racist?
0: I don't think so. Was All cousin right. it
1: supposed to be? something really oh yeah he up. was code for a black guy for sure okay
0: interesting i guess but underneath all the fur i never knew yeah it was um, subtle but yeah was cousin it just the hand or the fur no
1: no cousin it was hairy um, yeah
0: who's the hand
1: uh, what is um thing thing was the hand cousin is it that was also the from family?
0: adam's family
1: yeah they're both from adam's family
0: got it interesting
1: which, you know, the names are too similar.
0: What, Cousin It and The Thing?
1: Thing and Cousin It. Like That's it, true. Thing. It's both,
0: yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Like, what is it going to be, another one's just whatchamacallit? Exactly. Well, that's their favorite Yeah, what was more, the dad's but... name, That Guy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, if I'm remembering correctly from my childhood, it was That Guy. That Guy Adams, it, it <laughs> the was... patriarch of the Adams family. <laughs> Morticia and That Guy Adams, yeah. yeah. Um, she had a name for some reason.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, his dad was in the army when he was born, uh, but he wasn't allowed his usual leave for childbirth. He was kept, kept at the army base, uh, under like, I think like literally kept prisoner because they didn't want him to leave for some fucking reason. Very weird. I mean, I get that they're in the middle of a war, but it still seems like he was stateside in a base. Like, why not let him go home anyway?
1: Yeah. That kind of makes sense. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, so his mother had trouble raising him and eventually his parents divorced, even after his dad came back from the army after he was discharged. Um, and his younger siblings, I think there were four kids. His, the oldest two stayed with his dad after the divorce and the younger two were given up for foster care. Oh, so wow! A pretty, pretty broken kind of home there. Um, and so Jimmy as a kid was very shy and sensitive and was really like bothered by all the upheaval in his life. Uh, So he really took to music as his solace. Uh, He started carrying around a broom uh, as a pretend guitar in elementary school and, like, would not let it go to the degree that, like, was so attached to it that one of the school social workers tried, unfortunately failed, but tried to get the district to just buy him a guitar because they were like, clearly this kid (laughs) needs this. Um, And his dad refused to buy him one. so eventually, he found a ukulele in the trash, and even though it only had one string, that was enough for Jimmy to start learning songs and teach himself how to play. Um, it's hilarious
1: that he just found a ukulele in the trash.
0: I know, right? Uh, it seems like I forget the exact story. I feel like he and his dad were like literally dumpster diving or something for you know uh, shit they looking could for use, anything. And yeah, he found a ukulele. Yeah, here's the um, thing his, that
1: is yeah. crazy for a like. School counsellor in the fifties, right? Right.
0: To be to like give that much of a shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like they did not care.
0: It was impressive, yeah. That that person's a cool person. Um so his dad was fun though. His dad so he refused to buy Jimmy a guitar when he like desperately wanted one. And also there's this story when his mom died after you know, way after the divorce, but when his mom died, his dad didn't let him or his brother go to the funeral. Uh, instead, he kept him home and gave him shots of whiskey because that's how real men deal with loss.
1: <laughs> I so, mean, that's absolutely true. Yeah.
0: I don't know. His dad turns around because so eventually, um, or, I mean, kind of. Like, he is probably still not a great person, but he gets better. Uh, so eventually, Jimmy found an acoustic guitar for $5 when he was 15 and bought it and uh, played or learned mostly blues songs from listening to records, Robert Johnson and and such
1: right 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 um
0: who we've talked eventually he kind of got his break into playing professional music when after a show in seattle uh of the band hank ballard and the midnighters uh he met the guitar player like backstage and introduced himself and the guy taught him like some of his guitar licks and then got him a gig playing with the band on their tour so and those two guys stayed friends until Jimi hendrix died which is kind of cute that is cute.
1: Yeah. Um, so if you were curious, uh, $5 in that year is about $46 now.
0: Pretty cheap. It's a really good price yeah. for a guitar. I mean, it may have been a piece of shit, but even a piece of shit guitar now is like 100 bucks at least, I feel like.
1: That's true. You can get like real shitty ones that are basically a decoration on Amazon for like 35 Yeah, yeah true. But they're unplayable.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, my two-year-old niece has one that probably about that much money and... Man, it's just beautiful sounding. It's just, it makes you wonder why a Martin costs what it costs when you can make a child's guitar that sounds that great.
1: Yeah. And it's got a picture of Elmo on it, which (laughs) I was very bored
0: once playing that. Like we were saying at her sister, at Shelby's sister's house. Oh, I don't know if I say her name on the podcast. Oh, well, my wife's sister's house. And I like tried to actually play it and tuned it. And like literally by the time I got done tuning it, and then went back to like the bottom E string to start playing something, it had already gotten out of tune. So yeah, that's how good a quality that shit is.
1: Nice. I'm glad that she was learning on a quality instrument. Yeah, right.
0: So anyway, um, so Jimmy started a band called the Velvetones, uh, but he realized pretty quickly he couldn't actually play acoustic guitar in a band because no one could hear him. Uh so sense. he convinced his dad to buy him a Supro Ozark guitar for $89. Oh.
1: Supro Ozarks are cool.
0: This is let them? me send you this link. Uh I found one of the greatest websites of all time. It's up there with Butch Trucks' uh blog. This is a website someone created that is literally just some history and pictures of every single one of Jimi Hendrix's guitars.
1: Oh, cool. I bet
0: that fucking Ozark is cool. Yeah, I just sent you that link. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty dope. So the Ozark, though, there's actually debate, apparently, according to that website, about whether he actually owned it or not, Uh, Um, because Jimmy, in interviews later, would say his first guitar was the next guitar he had, like the first guitar he ever bought, so they think maybe he just borrowed the Supra. Okay. Um, Because eventually it was stolen, and his dad bought him a second one at Dan Electro. Um, So... When okay. he was around 18 and 19, he ended up joining the military. So he, this is how the world worked back in the, in the late fifties. Um, or wait, no, this would have been the like early sixties by now. Yeah. This, would have been um, 19, this is how the world worked. He got picked up like twice in a row for riding around in stolen cars and the cops, <laughs> this, I, this could just happen. They gave him an option to either enlist in the military or have criminal charges filed, so he decided to enlist in the military.
1: Yeah, which is... (laughs) Just
0: imagine now, like, getting... (laughs) Someone gets picked up at a protest last summer, like, they're like, pretty sure you're Antifa, but (laughs) we can file charges, or you can just join the military for a couple years. It's like, okay, (laughs) uh, I guess, all right.
1: (laughs) It is hilarious that that's, like, truly a thing that just happened. Yeah. Like, they were like, even during the vietnam war they were like you can go to jail or vietnam yeah
0: well what's weird we'll kind of get to it a bit later but this is just a very weird time to be in the military because it's pre-vietnam yeah and so like the military right now just no one knows what to do like it's just kind of a fun thing to go do because it's like way after world war ii pre-vietnam and i know korea was obviously a war but like that's been over for a little bit now and it wasn't like that
1: this People is weren't when, drafted
0: for Korea really, so
1: this is when in Mad Men they're talking about Yeah like this generation didn't have a yeah. war to fight in, which exactly. is like, such a even funny if you thing.
0: go to the military, like Jimi Hendrix, you just sit around a base, like you don't do anything yeah. during this time. So
1: Must have been fun.
0: Yeah. So he joined the military. Um he hated serving, of course. Yeah. Like obviously. I mean no surprise for almost anybody, but especially like a musician who you know, anyway. Um so at some point, uh, his dad did, he wrote to his dad to get him to send his guitar to the camp in Kentucky he was at. Um, and he sent it to him while he was doing, he was training to be a paratrooper of all things. Um, that's kind of cool. So, yeah. So some of the guys at his base were assholes. Apparently they like at different points hid the guitar and like made him beg to get it back and shit. Um, but then some of them were really cool. Like he ended up starting a band on the base. Uh, with a bunch of other you know musicians who they would play at the whatever weekend whatever Jamferees. the fuck they do on a military bases yeah. yeah um those weekend dances where they go invite all the girls from town <laughs> a bunch of high schoolers show up I assume um, yeah
1: they invite the girls from the girl army camp across the yeah lake. exactly that's
0: right uh so he finished he like completed his paratrooper training became a you know fully whatever qualified paratrooper. Uh, but was a very lackadaisical soldier. <laughs> of course, he would fall asleep on his shifts all the time. He didn't. He like never made his bed. So he's a Bailey. lot of shit like that. So I know. Well, and what's weird about this time is that it's like if they were in a real war, they would have either like transferred him to maybe like a different thing. Like they would have sent him to be like, uh, what am I trying to say? You know, to be like a stock guy yeah. in like you know something, or to do kind of office like- work. Yeah. yeah, or to do that or they Yeah, or they'd literally like send him to like military Vietnam. jail to yeah. like try and turn him around so he'd be a functioning yeah. soldier, right? Cuz they needed soldiers. But they don't need soldiers here, so literally like his commander was just like, "He doesn't want to be here. Let's just discharge him." Like, we don't we don't yeah. need his ass. <laughs> so he got an honorable discharge just basically to get him out of there cuz they realized he was he just didn't give a shit. Have you which heard is the myth wild?
1: The myth about him, um, no, leaving the military.
0: It's that he had a, such a huge hog. <laughs> they <that laughs> couldn't, um, couldn't. I keep think him in there.
1: the myth that I heard when I was in middle school is that he pretended to be gay to get out of the military. Oh, but that's another person.
0: Well, we've talked about this on previous on Beach Boys, Boys and Rolling Stone studs, I think. Well, not Rolling yeah. Stones, because they wouldn't have been drafted. But on Beach Boys Boys, when they all got their draft cards and stuff, and Carl went through a bunch of shit, I yeah. think we talked about, there's a bunch of famous musician stories for how people got out of the draft. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was one of them.
1: Well, yeah, and I don't think it's true about him. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm like, fairly certain it's not. But that was, like, a huge rumor when I was in at middle school, and probably for yeah. the past 40 years before that, but... Hmm. I don't think there's any, like, you know, I don't think it's true at all. Yeah. Which interesting. is, I don't know. Things like that are so interesting, like urban. I mean, I hope, like-
0: no. imagine if Jimi Hendrix was gay. Like, the most <sighs> yeah. macho, masculine man in rock ended up being a homosexual. Like, what if that's He's as crazy as if, like, Freddie Mercury was start. gay? Because Freddie Dude. Mercury, he was so manly. He had that insanely had that hairy big chest, mustache. that giant yeah. full mustache. Like I could even, I could hope to have a mustache that big.
1: He showed off his big muscles and in had, that tight shirt.
0: Exactly. Like he always wore like those tight clothes because he was so muscular and strong and yeah. like manly. He had to show it off, just proving how manly it was. Yeah. So just, it's just weird imagining a gay rock star, you know? Yeah. Because it's just like, can, what if, like, how Peter, are they? Can we,
1: can we stop talking about this? I mean, it's it's, giving it's me making me uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get it. So Jimmy, uh, so he was discharged. He ended up just moving a few miles north, or I think, no, south from Kentucky? Fuck it. Nashville. (laughs) He went to Nashville uh, with with an army buddy, uh, and they kind of played, like, the bar circuit in Nashville. And then he got bored of that. He outgrew that. This is a story of Jimi Hendrix's career is him outgrowing the scene he's in, because he just, like, is immediately too good and is just bored by it. Yeah. And also bored... Because he wants to do, like, more creative stuff than he's being allowed to do. So he grows out of Nashville and moves to Harlem, uh, where he met some people and started playing in the R&B, like, soul club circuit. So he played in the Isley Brothers backing band, got bored of that, played some studio stuff, including, from the Rolling Stone Studs, our favorite song Mercy Mercy by Don Covey, the original version of that song he's the guitar player on.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: And then, uh, but got bored of the studio stuff, you know, Uh, got bored of being told how to play and shit, I assume. And then joined Little Richard's band. Cool. So he did, I believe he got fired from Little Richard's band because he was, and this is, I mean, crazy, but makes sense. He was too flamboyant (laughs) Uh, of a player. So I guess he was like showing up Little Richard would be the idea.
1: uh, Another man who... Yeah. Manliest man in yeah. piano playing. So
0: like he was being too much of a showman as his guitar player. So Little Richard's manager had to be like, "Look, Jimmy. Buddy, there's only one flamboyant guy on stage, so he, we got to You got to calm down." Yeah. Oh so, my god. Yeah. I just
1: looked up a picture of Jimi Hendrix in Little Richard's band. Yeah. And share that had... picture
0: in the chat, man.
1: Oh man, dude, it is phenomenal. This is It's pretty
0: wild like by obviously by the time the experience exists, he's like fully Jimi Hendrix in like psychedelic yeah. shirts and and an afro, but it's interesting seeing pictures of him as a kid where he looks very Chuck Berry, like he's got like the what is that called like the wave curl kind iron. of hair. Well,
1: in this picture, he's got flat ironed hair. Okay, probably. But not like flat he just iron. looks
0: very fifties, and he's in a bunch of like no. you know very fifties suits and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah! It's wow! Yeah, so he has weird. A, he does have the weird kind of ironed hair stuff. It looks That's like ridiculous. he's fucking
1: photoshopped. Like it, cuz it's obviously he looks Jimander's photoshopped his and face. his
0: hair his hair looks like a bad wig from like the 80s. Yeah. I almost wonder if they gave him a wig.
1: Like I doubt, did I he bet... have like
0: a crew cut and they put no, a wig on him? No no,
1: no, no. They would have <sighs> I imagine little Richard made him put I don't remember what it's called but um, Yeah, the, whatever that. You is. know, get a perm for, Look, you know. Look,
0: yeah. It's Look, guys, we're two white guys. We only... We know what it's called. We only know so many terms about how uh, African-American folk are able to do their hair. So, anyway. um, They put
1: that that goop on it that Malcolm actually talks about in his book.
0: Sure. There you go. Okay, so eventually, though, he grew tired of all the R&B touring kind of circuit and decided to move to Greenwich Village, where there was a more, like, artsy, hip uh, scene happening. Um... And this was in the, you know, 64, 65, 66 kind of time. Yeah. Um, So he started a new band. Usually we
1: call that the mid-60s, Pete.
0: Yeah, that's right. He started a new band called Jimmy James and the Blue Flames, (laughs) which is ridiculous. Um, Imagine
1: going from your dope-ass name, Jimi Hendrix, to Jimmy James, which is just James James.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Also, he apparently, until they started the experience, he styled Jimmy just J-I-M-M-Y. Like, he didn't spell it weirdly that whole time. So he was always either Jimmy Hendrix or James Hendrix because that was his technical given name. Um, Interesting. So anyway, so at some point, Linda Keith, who was Keith Richards' girlfriend at the time, if you remember that chapter in his life, uh, saw the Blue Flames at the club in Greenwich Village and thought there was something there. So she tried to get Lug, of all people, to sign him.
1: Ah, and Lug Oldham. said,
0: um, excuse me, his music will not make for a good orchestral uh, version in several decades. So I have zero interest in signing him to, uh, as, a, a ma- as management. a nerd. So Lug passed. Couldn't see it. Uh, and then Linda introduced him to a guy named Chaz Chandler who was the bassist for the animals. Yeah. uh, Who was looking at leaving uh, like musician or what am I trying to say? Leaving the band and wanted to get into managing other artists. Yeah. So he decided Jimmy would be his first uh, management contract.
1: Right. Cause then. um... His first
0: client, as they would say. And is
1: I feel like he did another band, but Chass I think Chandler. he. Yeah, I think he only had.
0: I mean, that'd be possible. A lot of these guys did, like. Well, well and that's what's...
1: what I'm saying. I think he only did, Hendrix and one other band, and then like he was Slade. terrible at it. Okay, is, is the that other
0: what it is? band? Okay. Yeah, a British rock band rose uh, formed in '66. They rose to prominence in the '70s as a glam rock band.
1: Right. Um, Yeah, what's crazy
0: about between the Rolling Stones um, and then, like, the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix, like, all these bands are getting signed by managers who are not managers at all, don't have any connection to existing, uh, like, management entities or, or record companies or anything. They're all just, like, young dudes who also like are interested in getting into the music world. So they all have they those know. managers. And then yeah. they also all have these managers that like only manage them pretty much, which is really wild. Yeah.
1: Like Epstein didn't do any Brian Epstein. Yeah. Uh, didn't do anybody but the Beatles.
0: Yeah. And so it's just really, int- I don't know. It's really interesting. And like, just again, not all the way it would work now, but like at the time was very, uh, kind of revolutionary. I mean, mostly cause it was yeah. just a bunch of young guys getting into it, but anyway. Mm. So Chaz signs him as his first client and immediately gets Jimmy to move to London uh, because he thinks he'll fit in yeah. better with the scene over there.
1: Probably not wrong.
0: Yeah. So, oh, and he also, Jimmy was playing Hey Joe at the uh, during this time, which was a cover, but he's playing his version of Hey Joe, and that's the song Chaz thinks can be a hit from his set. So, so Chaz puts together a band for him. They got a bass player, Noel Redding, yep. uh, who connected with Jimmy over their love of blues and Jimmy loved his white boy afro so <laughs> <laughs> seriously that's like in the th- it's like Jimmy and Jimmy loved his hairstyle <laughs> so wow. invited him into the band yeah that is um, hilarious yeah it is the it is an insane afro like it's a it's impressive but it's definitely a crazy perm
1: yeah cop this pick yeah
0: i mean i guess do you think it was just impressive <laughs> It was bigger than his. Oh, that's like letting it down,
1: yeah. Like, I noel
0: mean, like from 67, it's like huge. gigantic, yeah. yeah. So, that must have been in between perms, yeah. That's um,
1: because I mean, yeah. all three of them, so we'll, yeah, we'll get to it in a second. But. well, so
0: and then they sign or they add Mitch Mitchell, um, right. as the drummer who had just been fired from another bland, band called the Blue Flames, so that was apparently a thing. Huh. uh during that time to call your band the blue flames
1: but all three of them yeah. at a certain point end up
0: having crazy froze huge yeah. afros which is pretty dope yeah it's fun yeah i mean like i think it's arguable whether a white guy afro is a good thing or not but it's at least fun at the time <laughs> yeah. that it just would have been like everyone's hanging around with ridiculous afros so
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um so chandler had Jimmy change the spelling of his name to J-I-M-I because he thought it would be groovier and called the band The Experience, which, pretty good name, Jimi Hendrix and The Experience.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, It's up there with, like, as far as band names go, band band names go, like, The Band, which is just the greatest name for a band. But The Experience, that's pretty good. Yeah,
0: it's pretty great. And it's also... As we'll get to when we talk about their first album, it's also got a fun psychedelic double meaning of experience was like slang for doing LSD or acid. Um, So that also kind of tied him into the psychedelic world because Jimmy, uh, I I think most people know this. I was like, I don't know a ton about Jimmy Hendrix, so I was a little surprised to learn this, but he was like heavily, deeply into psychedelic stuff. Like, both into doing psychedelic drugs and just into, like, the idea of making everything psychedelic and groovy. Um, Jimi
1: Hendrix? (laughs) I mean, I don't know.
0: I knew, I was, I told PJ this before we started recording. I, like, I know a lot of base level stuff about Jimi Hendrix. I know his greatest hits. I, like, I know he dressed psychedelically and everything. But, like, I kind of always just thought it was because that was what was hip at the time and i think that's part of why he got into it i just i guess i didn't realize that like personally he was actually that into psychedelic stuff and wasn't just dressing that way because it was you know no like that's his whole thing yeah 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 and now i know and i mean like i know he has some like groovy music and all but so so that's the experience form and uh they're ready to record their their first album do we want to take a little break and then come back and do the uh, the track-by-track track for Are You Experienced?
1: Yeah, let's take a little break. All right.
2: After all the jets are in boxes, and the clown.
0: Welcome back to the Twenty Seven Club Club Fan Club Podcast by your boys. Okay, let's try it again. Nope, that's the take. Okay, all right, fine. PJ's forcing me into it. Uh, so let's get let's get back to uh, or into Jimi Hendrix and the Experience's first album. Are you experienced? Uh, it was released I... in May of 1967. Oh yeah, PJ, please answer the question. Are you experienced?
1: It depends on whether it means experienced in the way of life, in the way of love, in the way of making love. Mm -hmm. The answer is no for all all. of them. I'm pretty sheltered. Yeah. Um, My my dad keeps me in the basement and just lets me read his um, music, uh, classic rock biographies and that's it. Yeah.
0: That's all I'm allowed to. I would say I'm experienced in almost every way except the way they actually mean which is i've never done acid <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i i am unfortunately very much not experienced Yeah, nor am at i at least according uh, to the experience
1: you've at least taken yeah. shrooms though
0: yeah uh no i have really yeah i know i need to i really want to but i never have
1: wait was there a whole story about how you wanted to buy shroom oh and then you yes couldn't?
0: But then the guy freaked out. And then, oh, technically, I did find someone who had shrooms after that, bought the shrooms, kept them, like, in a, you know, safe place for whenever I was going to do them, and then never did that. Like, it was, like, four years later, and I found them when I was, like, moving at some point and was like, I don't need these still. Because yeah. they were old and dried out, so. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. That is kind
1: of shocking to me,
0: Pete. I know. I've really, like really really wanted to for probably like five or six years at least now but it's just never come come together anyhow um so you experienced was recorded in london obviously maybe um after the strong debut of their singles hey joe purple haze and the wind cries mary all did really well in the uk um three so phenomenal figured, singles to put out. I know, right? Yeah. So they figured let's get this uh this album going. So, Chaz, I'm going to call him Chaz.
1: Yeah, I would.
0: Chaz purposefully Excuse me. Jesus. Apparently drinking beer makes me burp. Um huh. <laughs> Chaz purposefully gave control of the band uh like fully to Jimmy uh because he has kind of an interesting quote about like being in bands before and like seeing other bands get formed. He's like the, the, like the main songwriters, uh, vision always gets compromised when you're in a band, right? Cause other people have opinions, they jump in, they add their own thing, which can be good. But he said like with Jimmy, I could tell it would like the best case scenarios for his vision to be like the final product, yeah. the final song, the final piece of art. Um, like exactly the way he wants it, um, and just kind of have the other band members be be the vessels to to get it there. So he um, kind of relegated the other band members to the side, which they're not super happy about. At least during this recording, uh, they do complain to him a decent amount about like not getting to choose at all what they're playing or or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Chaz basically just gave Noel Redding all his bass lines pre written. Hendrix would just walk Mitch Mitchell like through every song giving him like the tempos and changes to the song and kind of telling him what he wanted him to do so
1: interesting okay
0: so and I think I don't actually know this for sure I've always kind of thought they were more of a band than just like a Jimi Hendrix solo thing so I'm curious I'm curious if on later records they they get a little more collaborative and Jimmy like yeah well you know but this was like Jimmy had a lot of these songs pre-written yeah and, like, even before they started the band, he had a bunch of these songs written, yeah. I think. And so I think Noel, or not Noel, Chaz, very much was just like, these songs are great as is. We just need great players to, like, flesh them out for you. Yeah. So, like, let's just get that. And then maybe when he started writing new songs with the band, that's when they, I don't know, start well, working together more. I do,
1: I they must get more collaborative.
0: Because on this one, this
1: album is very different than the next two. True. As far as drumming goes, specifically. Like, on this one, Mitch Mitchell is going fucking crazy, and that yeah. must be what Jimmy wanted, but, like, the next two he's more reserved, so... Yeah. Huh, yeah. that's interesting.
0: It's possible. So, some fun stories from recording. First of all, they got not kicked out. They they recorded in three different studios, and at, at least two of them, they had lots and lots and lots of complaints, like, to the point where I think they left before they got kicked out about yeah. the noise. Because one of the studios was in, like, a basement of an office building. And so, like, all the people above them in their office were, you know, annoyed at how loud they were. And another one was in, like, just a full-on recording. Like, the whole building was a recording studio, but they were so loud that they bled into other people's recordings. That's Um, awesome. uh, Because Jimmy did not want to play quietly. Uh, And during one recording session, Chaz asked Jimmy to turn his amp down, and Jimmy got really pissed um it was his marshall twin stack that was apparently just rattling things in the studio to the point where it was ruining the taping because you could hear like shit rattling around on the tape um so jimmy got really pissed and said if i can't play as loud as i want i might as well just go back to new york and chaz said fine and like took out his work visa and all his papers like out of his briefcase and gave them to him and told him to go back and apparently jimmy was like, oh, shit, you called my bluff. I'll turn it down. Let's keep working. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was very funny. So, yeah, so kind of fun. And, like, I feel like I'm curious to see if it keeps up, but at least from reading about this album being made, it seems like he and Chaz have, like, a really interesting – or, like, a really good rapport. They apparently lived in the same apartment um, and would, like, before they showed up to the studio, would, like, work out, you know, what all the bass lines were and everything, and, like, and then yeah. show up and just – so they have like a really close working relationship which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um they recorded really really fast. The band was good enough that Chaz um canceled all their rehearsal time mm-hmm. and just had them rehearse like as warm-ups while they recorded because they would like run a song through twice and just be good to go. Um and most of the songs on the album were recorded in one or two takes uh with then like the the main track was just the first or second take. And then they would compress it down and do overdubs later, uh, on guitar, like backing vocals to finish it up. Um, but like they were just really good basically, which makes sense. I always knew like Mitch Mitchell's one of the like classic, great rock drummers. And yeah, I guess I didn't know much about Noel, but it makes sense that he was good.
1: Yeah, I mean if 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 you're gonna make a group like if your main objective is like we need backing for Jimmy, you yeah. gotta be fucking yeah. good. Like
0: Exactly. I was about to say, I feel like Chaz knew what he was doing where it's like we just need guys who are going to be really fucking good to like keep up with this yeah. guy. Um anyway. Well and were they um, were they yeah. session guys before this? i don't know that's a good question i know they both they like both came from bands immediately before but they might have done session stuff too i'm I'm
1: just surprised he like maybe didn't know a lot of session dudes but i'm surprised they didn't get session guys maybe they got guys yeah that's kind of true but
0: um i don't know i mean as we know from a lot of guys in these days maybe they did session stuff you know like a lot of yeah to make a living do session and and be in a band yeah um, so yeah, they did the old, the beach boys thing of, they only had four track, uh, recording equipment in all the studios. So they would do four tracks and then reduce it down and add overdubs and everything. Um, so apparently Jimmy was really shy about singing. So they put up a privacy barrier in the like studio so that no one had to see him while he was singing all the vocal tracks, which is adorable.
1: That is very cute.
0: Um, Yeah. And then, oh yeah, and the, this is like at a different studio. They kept playing way too loudly. Uh, one engineer said that at some point they turned off the control room speakers to try and like make it quieter and it was the same volume. Huh. So yeah, From in the control room. it was the same yeah. volume. so Wow. yeah. Uh, let's see. So the the album was released. We talked about this for a second in the break. So, obviously, he's an American guy, but made his, like, kind of fame, at least in his early days in London. And so, it was released as a UK album first, a UK-only release. And as we know from the Stones and a little bit from the Beach Boys, I think they had a couple, like, world releases compared to their American ones. They didn't release albums worldwide. There were different distributors for UK and the US. So, the original uk are you experienced is different uh than than the u.s one which most i would say most people know like we talked about with the stones right. about which you know versions were iconic and it kind of varied from album to album yep. i would definitely say with are you experienced the american version is the iconic one for Yeah, sure. well
1: and and it's interesting and i said this during the break but because you think of you know you know jimi hendrix is an american guy so you think of like, oh, it's a weird thing he would have. Guy. Sorry. Uh, my favorite Seth MacFarlane vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um but he uh you you would think like, oh, really he's only releasing music in the US, but like the fact that he was American and lived in London and released music first in London is like yeah. I don't know. It, it's not counterintuitive per se, it's just interesting.
0: Yeah. It is interesting, and it's also interesting to note, same as the Stones and the Beatles, we talked about a little bit during the Rolling Stone Studs, but the UK version um, is a different track listing because they eschew eschew, is that the right word? Eschew, yeah. Yeah, that just sounded really weird coming out of my mouth. Uh, it's different than the UK or than the US version because they eschew all the singles that were already released in the UK. So the UK version does not have Purple Haze, Hey Joe or the Wind Cried Mary on it because they were already singles. Um, yeah. But it's kind of, int- it's got, you know, obviously other songs on it, which are interesting as well. But what's also interesting compared to the Rolling Stones is that uh, whoever manages Hendrix's music now is not interested in preserving the UK version at all. Cause you can't find it on any streaming services. They just have the U S version yeah. and then they have like a deluxe U S version with the UK only tracks at the end. So,
1: right. And we also talked about this on the break, but, um, yeah. the Hendrix estate is incredibly <laughs> litigious. And yeah. like, they I got like very to keep yeah. everything close to their chest. There's
0: a lot of, there's a lot of just covers on YouTube or like live versions, you know, and like, yeah, yeah not a lot of stuff. That's the um, official track
1: and and there was a movie in 2013 that uh Andre Benjamin Andre 2000 of Outcast um played Jimi Hendrix by the way oh.
0: like he he definitely Truly. looks a lot like Jimi Hendrix yeah like
1: and he like his whole vibe is pretty good in the movie um mm-hmm. like he's very hendrixy and he's got like that baritone well like he can like go down to a baritone that's very hendrixy but um it was a shitty movie cuz they couldn't use any Hendrix songs <laughs>
0: They, yeah, they they said could to do only stick with All covers. Along the Watchtower six times.
1: Well they did All Along the Watchtower. I think Hey Joe they could do yeah, it that's because it was cover. a yeah. cover. And then um Sergeant Pepper. Oh yeah, nice. And that was it. That was like the three songs they played that's, throughout the entire thing. And then yeah. the rest of it was like Hendrix inspired kind of like guitar right. music. It was like it would have been a great that's movie. Wild. Yeah. If they could have <laughs> used this music, but like his estate did not give them the rights.
0: Yeah. That's really funny that getting the rights apparently to Jimi Hendrix is harder than getting the rights to a Beatles song because more recently right? the Beatles have opened up. I forget yeah. who even owns their music now, but whoever does. Like they've opened it up a lot in the yeah. last few years, but I think Paul McCartney bought it all back after Michael Jackson died. Oh, I thought they I thought I read somewhere, I thought he sold it to a different a third party, but never mind. Maybe. Doesn't I matter. just
1: know Michael Jackson owned a lot of it and then when he died, yeah. I thought Paul McCartney bought it all up.
0: Yeah. Um well, regardless within the last like 5 years or so, the Beatles songs have gotten a lot easier to license, probably not yeah. much cheaper, but easier to license at least. It used to be a huge deal to license any other shit, but Yeah.
1: But 2013 anyway. was still in that time where it was like yeah. I don't know how they got the licensing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's what I'm saying, it's easier to do that than well, to get Purple Haze apparently.
1: And not only a Beatles song, a Dylan song too, which I think is also kind of yeah. hard to come yeah. by. Yeah. It's insane.
0: So, yeah. So the album cover, um, I don't know if people have seen this. This was a real, like, mind-blowing find for, like, 19-year-old Pete. Ooh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Last name. I'm not going to bleep it out. The
0: UK it's album UK. cover? Come on. I'm restarting so you can edit that seamlessly. Nah, dude. The UK album cover, uh, which is a real mind-blowing find for, like, 19-year-old Stone Pete in college. Um is really wild. It's like this really dark photo. It's very like early Rolling Stones cover, honestly. Yeah. Except kind of psychedelic. Cause it's like this very dark photo where the three band members are sitting, are like sitting and then Jimmy's standing with like a cape on like Dracula in the middle. And then it's got, are you experienced on either side? And the letters are like, I mean, just Google it, but yeah, the letters are formatted so that it looks like a couple of like eyelids closed eyelids and it's really fucking dope honestly it's a cool ass album cover
1: do you think so like you know around this time period obviously this album came out and then like the um the stones were doing like kind of like manipulated photos as well do you think the beatles started that with rubber
0: soul like their
1: whole thing being shifted
0: i kind of thought that was supposed to be like the main like the inspiration for a lot of psychedelic yeah. things because
1: do you know the story behind that
0: the rubber sole photo yeah go for it
1: so it was um he was showing him pictures on a projector like yeah. which which picture you want to go with and then the screen fell back and it was like warped mm. and they were like can we yeah, do yeah. it like that and then he was like I yeah. guess, I,
0: don't know. <laughs> I guess it looks like shit but fine yeah
1: exactly yeah. well like, yeah begrudgingly then, yeah yeah
0: And then that led to, like, the Between the Buttons with the fucking Vaseline smeared on the camera lens. And then, so what's crazy, they did the UK album art. After it came out, Jimmy didn't like it um, and thought it wasn't psychedelic enough, which is kind of wild because it's actually, I think it's very, very psychedelic.
1: I would say Maybe just with
0: hindsight. Maybe at the time it didn't seem that psychedelic to him. Um,
1: Maybe it seemed, like, fake psychedelic.
0: I think it's like, so, yeah so like the american one then they do the like fisheye lens which is yeah. a very you know mid 60s psychedelia thing they do the fisheye lens all three of the members so first of all in the regular one um noel has like a tiny afro and the other mitch has just straight hair by the time they get the american cover photo taken they both have giant afros yeah uh, as well as jimmy So they do a fisheye lens and then I think everyone in the world has seen this album cover. It's the yellow with then Jimi Hendrix experience. Are you experienced in like crazy purple lettering? Yeah. But but the black or the the UK one to me reads a lot more like it's definitely psychedelic. It just feels very British psychedelic of the time. Like it's darker and a little more like gothic and it's a little bit more like that medieval era psychedelia to me. Yeah. That that we talked about a bit with the Stones where like that Brian Jones got into. Um, and a little bit the like on Her Majesty's secret request or whatever the fuck that thing was called, where like they do like the you know magic medieval type interpretation yeah. of psychedelic. So, I think it's very psychedelic and I like it more. But maybe it's just because I've seen it less than the the classic cover. But right, if it's the one Jimmy wanted, then we have to go with the yellow one because we'll get to the same thing on future albums where. His label, once again, does album covers he doesn't want. And so the fans did, kind of have gone back to the, like, for re-releases, they've done, yeah. like, the original one that he wanted as the huh. as the cover art for re-releases on, on his other albums. So so yeah.
1: can I ask you this question now? Um, did he like the cover of Axis Bold as Love?
0: That's a good question. I don't actually know. But I know, okay. I guess, he only has three albums. I was saying that, like, there's, like, six albums. <laughs> Yeah, he only has three albums. I know the the third one, um, whatever that one's called. I just I'm blanking.
1: Um, Electric Ladyland.
0: Yes, Electric Ladyland. He submitted what he wanted the album art to be, and the record company, uh, um, like denied his request and did their own version of the cover. Which yeah, we'll get to it in a couple episodes. But his version is both. Cooler, just in general, and like a better album cover, like a more logical mm-hmm. album cover than the thing the record company went with. So
1: interesting, because we'll I was going to say "Access Bold as Love" is like the fucking trippiest.
0: I would guess that's ever. he was into that one, yeah. But okay. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, seems like his kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so he got his psychedelic album art. Um. With the U.S. version, the U.K. album went to number two, fell short of Sergeant Pepper's only that summer. Uh, yeah, and then the U.S. Uh, version went to number five. So uh, so let's go ahead and we're going to do the track by track of the U.S. version and then we'll just go through like three songs that are on the U.K. version only uh, after that. right? Okay. So let's go ahead and start the U.S. edition of Are You Experienced?
1: Starting off with a classic Purple Head. It's kind of a long album for the time too It's an hour
0: Are you sure that's not just with the Are you looking at the version With the UK tracks at the end?
1: Maybe What are the UK tracks?
0: Mm, let me look real quick Because I'm pretty sure It's not that long I guess is what I'm trying Let to me say.
1: look at the track Here I'll just look up the track listing me while I kiss the sky. Also, everybody that lyric when I was in middle school, everybody uh, everybody thought it was excuse me while I kiss this guy, which I think yeah, has always been a thing. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah. I remember being like no, he says the sky. It's very obvious. And people it's were like, really clear. I don't clear. think so. I Maybe don't think so, Maybe that's where
0: the gay army thing came from. It could be. Um... This song is, like, so iconic and overplayed, it's yeah. tough to even say anything about, like, because it's obviously great, but I'm also, like, just kind of sick of it from hearing it so much, so. Yeah.
1: Also, it's you pretty right much a
0: perfect rock song that is, like, the exact right, am- right amount of psychedelic, I would say, to have lasting impact.
1: Exactly, and that yeah. that's basically verbatim what I was going to say. Um you were also right about the the, the length of the album. Okay. I was looking at it wrong because "Are You Experience should be the last, right song. Yeah, that is so. the final track. So, um, "Purple Haze," yeah, uh, a good song, but like you said, very overplayed. Um, yeah. It's kind of like yeah, it might Stone be the one song?
0: Jimi Hendrix song that's just kind of for me now. It's the, the, the one rest that of them they I can still Fucking hear, throw but,
1: on the radio any yes. like all the time. Next song is Manic Depression.
0: God, you were talking about the drumming on this album. Holy shit, the drums are good on this song. Yeah. Like, so good. I don't... They did not double track these drums, but it sounds double track. That's how much shit Mitch Mitchell is doing.
1: They really didn't double track these?
0: I'm almost positive the only song they fucked with drum and bass wise was Are You Experienced when they do the backwards tracking thing. Because huh. I, the only thing I found Was that like that song They didn't know how to play They were like nervous about playing live oh, okay. Because of the you know Studio Man, fuckery yeah. But I'm almost positive this is just Mitch Mitchell Being a badass
1: It's crazy he's good Um I also remember having a conversation with I don't remember who it was Um but when I was a younger man and I would say that Jimi Hendrix was probably my favorite guitarist. Yeah. Cause you know, that's just what you say. Um, Hell yeah. And, and he's good, but every
0: person goes through a time of their life where Jimi Hendrix is the best guitarist they've ever heard, which is yeah. fair.
1: No, it's absolutely fair. He's a fucking amazing. Um, but he, um, somebody was like, no, he's not even that good. He plays really sloppy. <laughs> um, and I was like, I think that's the thing about it. It's like that's yeah. it's supposed to be, but it's like yeah. controlled chaos. Like it right. sounds goddamn amazing.
0: Yeah. Controlled chaos is a great way to describe to describe it. And like a lot of what I read kind of when he was playing in like in Greenwich Village and then in London. Before he kind of became like Jimi Hendrix But like a lot yeah. of what he like wanted to do And was like feeling stifled by Was wanting to just play like fucking crazily yeah. And that's kind of why A lot of people dismissed him like Lug And was just like this guy is just nuts Like this music right. doesn't sound like music And then other people were like Holy shit it's genius This is amazing and obviously it turned out To be the latter But yeah.
1: Well and he So we talked about Robert Johnson a few episodes ago in my mind they they're doing complete opposite things i would say um this i mean this is super produced a lot of drums but yeah. they, they're both i wouldn't even like equate their playing at all but like they're both yeah. able to play two parts at the same time yeah which is like sure. insane and if you see like Jimi hendrix play the guitar ever he's using his thumb a lot because he's got giant hands yes um, like he'll you know like play all of the high notes with his with four fingers and then he'll play like bass notes with his thumb which is yeah. like so crazy to me um, but I don't know he uh, he's so good which is like there's nothing new to say and then we got Hey Hey Joe Also, like, immaculate tone. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is the tone that every guitar player in the entire world, like, chases. It's so good.
0: Okay, so I knew this, or I knew parts of this, but I just looked up. So, famously, he was left-handed also right. enhances the idea that he sold his soul to the devil, because left-handed people are children yeah. of Satan. Exactly. Um, but So he played his guitars, he played right-handed guitars and flipped them upside down, and then restrung them so yeah. it was like opposite, basically. Um, which also gave him different tone because of how like the pickups pick the pick-ups, up yeah. all the strings. So it was definitely a unique thing because of that, but um, what to say? The, um, I was biggest. wondering if that adds to. Uh, I was just looking that up. I didn't find an answer, but I wonder if that adds to like him playing more uniquely and like with his. I mean, a lot of guitarists play with their thumb sure. a lot on their left hand yeah. or their right hand if you're left-handed, like on the fretboard. But yeah. I wonder if that if that like kind of influenced that. Is just that he was already playing a guitar upside down, and so then like came there up were with no different. Rules. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Came up with different techniques to kind of work with that. So
1: could be and also the the fact that he i don't think had anybody teach him how to play guitar no just kind of like figured it out he learned from some other
0: musicians and just fucked around by himself yeah um
1: the biggest argument i have ever gotten in with a teacher (laughs) was we were i don't it was my uh it it was at the career center and we were learning broadcasting and for some reason we had to talk about what you wanted to play weezer oh exactly i forget um, this
0: you told a very similar story on the stuff oh because you wanted to play a rolling stone song and that's for old people
1: yeah i wanted to play tumblin dice i think yeah. um but they, same teacher same exact teacher, this but teacher we were cool. we were watching um him play the star spangled banner and mm-hmm. she paused it and said do you notice anything about his guitar and i was like well he's playing a right-handed guitar left-handed and it's like restrung She's like, yeah. no, it's not restrung. And I was like, I can see it right now. It's yeah. restrung. Yeah. The bass one is on the top. And she was like, no, just look at it. And I was like, I'm looking at it. I see. Yeah. If you the, flip the a right-handed guitar upside down. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then I like I think I almost got detention because I was like, Are yeah. you using your eyes? Are you crazy? Yeah. And then the next day I brought in a guitar and I was like, pause it up on the screen. Pause it up on if I flip this upside down, it's different. And yeah. she still didn't concede. And I was like, you're wrong and an idiot. Yeah, that's I was, cool. What a cool I teacher. hated that teacher. She was yeah. the worst. Um, She got fired that year.
0: <laughs> that's Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. yeah, obviously, the principal called her in and said, listen, we've been having some problems with your thoughts on Jimi Hendrix and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> Two classic bastions of rock.
1: This is the same teacher who I think I may have told this story. She said that uh, the Beatles plagiarized yesterday from some Canadian band.
0: Oh, yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Uh, was it... Oh god damn it
1: The Bare Naked Ladies? No
0: Fuck I will never think of that band name for my
1: life uh, Now it?
0: we're at Love or Confusion
1: it, it Describe the band to me
0: Pete Okay A certain ex-girlfriend of mine It was her mother's favorite band And it was this band that like I would see a lot In like record bins in the, you know, like cheap record section where you're just like, God, who listened to this? The tragically hip. No, older, like from the seventies and like maybe eighties. Like, I feel like they were like a Canadian, like three dog night type, you know, just a band where you're like, do people like this band? But you see their shit everywhere when you're like record collecting. God damn it, what were they?
1: Uh, This song is good.
0: I'm just going to look up like 70s Canadian rock bands.
1: It's not Rush.
0: It's April Wine. Holy shit. April That's Wine. The, they were like one of the first ones. Yeah, April Wine was her mother's favorite band like of all time. And I'm like, I don't. I've seen their albums a million times in the dollar bin. <laughs> I can't believe anyone listens. To them. I've never heard of them. Yeah, right. Anyway.
1: Apparently their hits include Just Between You and Me, Sign of the Gypsy Queen. I've never heard of this band. Her mom likes April. What a fucking weirdo. I mean,
0: here's the thing. Her mom, this is going to sound super judgy, but that's fine. Her mom, I think, was the type of person who owned one April Wine album in her lifetime and was like, I love this album so much. And then it's just like one of those things where you're like, that's my mom's favorite band, you know? I mean, that's kind of how my mom was. Like, her favorite artist is Lyle Lovett. But like growing up, we had like three Lyle Lovett CDs, maybe. Like, she was not a completionist Uh. at all. But it was like, I,
1: yeah, it was like three like, well, albums
0: and a greatest hits, and it, that was enough to be like, that's my favorite artist. Whereas now, if someone was my favorite artist, I'd be like, I have to have listened to at least all their albums, if not all the B-sides, yeah. to even right. call them that. So anyway, just huh. different, I think, different approach to music listening. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fair. Yeah.
0: Is this still Lover Confusion, or are we on this this Yes, movies?
1: this is Lover Confusion.
0: I like um, something with Jimi Hendrix who I haven't that I haven't really noticed before until I like kind of purposely sat down to listen. His vocal stylings are he does two things that I really like. First of all, he does like a lot of kind of talk singing. Yeah. But where I usually don't love talk singing, his comes across different. Like I, I just enjoy it. Like that where he's it's like, and it's love or <laughs> confusion, and it's like it's because he like very his fun.
1: voice is already like beautifully resonant yeah like when he speaks it's very sing-songy yeah so it like it really works it works and it ties yeah. in
0: the other thing that i love is he does a lot of and this is very to be a crazy white guy from 2020 this is very proto hip-hop he does a lot of like uh eh, like in the middle and also i mean yeah. i know it was a soul and r&b thing back then that like james brown would do and people like that yeah. but <laughs> people like that but um it just very like combined with like hard rock. It's really an interesting, like kind of new sound, especially yeah. for the time. And it's, it's awesome. It sounds really cool.
1: No, I get it. You're saying Hendrix invented hip hop.
0: Like I love, no, it's just very no, it's I heard interesting it. I heard it. I seeing a through line like that in music where you're like, Yeah. Like. But just the idea that it's like an artist like, it's the same idea, basically. And I don't no, even I, know how I to get what put you're it saying. together. Yeah. But like, that a hip-hop artist now making absolutely completely different music coming from an insanely different place and writing totally different songs is still going to, like, feel this weird need and inspiration to, like, go, uh, yeah, mm, like, in the middle yeah. of lyrics and shit. And it, like, it's just cool and interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. I really it- like this song. This is May This Be Love.
1: Yeah, this has maybe the least guitar playing on it. Yeah.
0: I really like the Waterfalls part, though. The rest of it, I guess I don't love Love, but the Waterfalls part is just gorgeous. Yeah. And has some beautiful guitar.
1: It's great. Um, It's
0: like, that's his interestingness, is he does kind of a, now that I said it, I kind of think it works, like a James Brown type thing of just like vamping lyrically vocally he just kind of like vamps over like crazy rock music yeah and then other times this will come up a few times throughout his music he just sings these absolutely gorgeous melodies
1: oh wait shut up for a second he yeah um I'm not saying that this is what you did just now comparing him to James Brown I'm not saying this at all but I've heard that a lot of the time, if you are a black guitarist, people will, even if you don't play psychedelic rock or old school blues or rock at all, like if you're a classical guitarist, but you happen to be a black man, people say you are, you remind them of either Robert Johnson or Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody was, I, I think I watched a video about it where it's just like classical guitarist. And Dude, he's like, you know
0: what's funny? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Well, just, do you know Benjamin Booker? Oh, I love Benjamin Booker. Yeah, he's a current artist, an African-American gentleman who plays guitar. Go check him out. He's phenomenal. And plays blues rock music. Yeah. And you know what's ridiculous is I remember hearing his first album for the first time, and in my defense, this was very... Like, one song sounded a little bit like Jimi Hendrix, but I was just basically like, this is like if Jimi Hendrix did X. Like, that's kind of what it sounded like. Yeah. His... His first single sounds like if Jimi Hendrix was like in a punk band, basically. Yeah. Um, and like that's what I described it as, but that's really sad and funny that <laughs> that tied in. That it's every black. To be fair, good. that's the only song of his that I think sounds at le- a little Hendrixy. The rest of it's pretty unique, or at least yeah. different than Hendrix for sure. So. Oh,
1: Benjamin Booker is great. Um,
0: I don't live today. Rules. Yeah. This so album, like, rules, I'm sure the UK version gosh. is decent. But the U.S. one, really, I can see why it became the definitive yeah. one, because the first seven, no, the first eight songs are all stone-cold classics of the oh, era. Oh, like,
1: And that's why yeah. we're not really, like, talking about, like, there's not much to expect. on Yeah, like, the Jimi Hendrix songs, best of has yeah. eight
0: of these 11 tracks on it, or nine yeah. of these 11 tracks on it, for sure.
1: <laughs> um, and, like, if, if you haven't listened to Jimi Hendrix, that's insane to me, but, like, Go listen to this album yeah. all the way through and make up your own mind it's like us listening to anything louder like getting into it it's not gonna it's like the production is the same on all of them they just fucking right. rip it's so yeah. good we don't have notes because it's just all good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: another thing that i kind of um was thinking of related to like his vocals where he would either he does like a lot of regular melodies he does a lot of vamping and then sometimes like i said it'll just be like that really gorgeous melody that he kicks into occasionally on songs where it's kind of similar with his guitar playing like i feel like he does a lot of just like rock wailing he does a lot of like what you can tell are a little bit more pre-written riffs um And then, like, the rock wailing, like, gets a lot into a little more improv stuff. Um, But then he also, like, will do the pre-written riffs, and then we will also sometimes just land on, like, any great guitarist, like, just some gorgeous uh, guitar lines, even in the middle of of all the improv, improvisation stuff. Um, So, just really shows, like, even... I don't even know how, like, written and purposeful a lot of it is, but just always able to hit something, something great. So, should we jump to the the Wind Cries Mary? Maybe my favorite Hendrix song? It's up there, I would say. Yeah. It's close. It's not mine, but it's close.
1: It's his tone that does it for me, because it's a little bit different yeah. than the rest. Yeah. All it's the beautiful. So good. Yeah. The
0: this and is like one where... Every single one of these the guitar crowns. lines is... is like more beautiful yeah. than the last. They're so good. This is one you know, the Stones had a couple songs like this, and now Hendrix he's been listening to a lot of Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Like lyrically, he's really trying to do the like if you just say random stuff that sounds meaningful, it's meaningful and you know, is a is really a commentary on the way politics work right now. Like
1: a broom is drearily sweeping.
0: But it's good. I think it works. It's just very. I'd never really put together how many like mid '60s songs were super Dylan influenced in there. Like, yeah, and the Beach Boys with um the one really famous uh, "Surfs Up" was like absolutely just Jack. What's his face trying to be Dylan? So.
1: Oh God, this song rules. Yeah. The it is a gorgeous like, guitar tone. It's so good. I wish I, my guitar could sound like this all the time.
0: Apparently, just get a Marshall double stack and turn it all the way up. Yeah. And I'm sure he had like six pedals. I don't know. Yeah. I,
1: I think he only ever used... So, from what I understand from my research on trying to get tone like him, he only used a wah pedal... Mm-hmm. and then it just directly into the amp but he had his in his Marshall stack he had the cones replaced with Bass uh, base amp cones
0: oh interesting yeah i thought i mean it's wikipedia so who knows but i think wikipedia mentions he uses like one or two different fuzz pedals at certain points too like for purple haze okay. and shit but yeah but you're right that he's primarily known for the for the wah pedal for sure
1: God, it's such a good song. Like It's also
0: just crazy that like he was ever not sure of his voice because I get that he's not like a classically good singer, obviously. But he absolutely like a lot of great rock singers is like not a good singer but has just an iconic like great voice and especially for yeah. his music, it just fits perfectly.
1: Well, and he can like I don't know, his his voice is I wouldn't say he He doesn't sing like normal It's not like Mick Jagger who like sometimes Cannot sing you know yeah. His voice is like even if he's Speaking it's nice to listen to Like it's got some sort of
0: Yeah it's got a nice tenor
1: Yeah
0: So now we're on fire, fire. Maybe the other Song after Purple Haze that I feel like I've heard A little bit too much Yeah Although but it's fantastic
1: good. like yeah. The drums.
0: God, Mitch Mitchell is a god among men.
1: And like his voice to on be this able... one is
0: so yeah. good. Yeah. To be able to hang with Jimi Hendrix is just wildness which shows yeah. how great Mitch Mitchell is like
1: Maybe the best line in all of rock music. Listen to you, baby. Stop acting so
0: crazy
1: He does kinda do some James Brown stuff. Like yeah, not, right? Like it feels James
0: Browny, Brown esque.
1: Which I've never like realized, but like yeah, with his like with his what do you, what did they call him in hip hop? It's not vamping, it's um
0: I don't know. Kinda interstitial stuff, talk singing stuff in between. I don't know.
1: His ad libs. Yes, ad ad-lib. libs are very yes. James Brownie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he does feel like, yeah, that's a good way of, or a good description of it. Is it just feels like they had all the lyrics written out and then he does a ton of ad libs in between them and, like, yeah, plays with the words. Let's get to Third Stone from the Sun.
1: With the jazz beat.
0: Yeah, this is one I would say I'm less familiar with. Although Me this too. is the only Hendrix album I, oh no, I owned this and the next one, but I barely listened to either of them on
1: vinyl. But I owned
0: them. So
1: maybe my least favorite song on the album.
0: Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think. Inarguably, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Unless someone, for some reason, hates Are You Experienced, like.
1: It's like. The first one that's not a banger, like in yeah,
0: but it just doesn't have a lot interesting happening outside of no, it. No, there's like,
1: nothing to grab onto, you know.
0: This part's solid.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like kind of lounge jazz vibes.
0: Yeah. Uh, what what is interesting, aside from the track listing being different, they spelled some things different from the UK to US release, and in ways I don't understand. So Third Stone from the Sun in the UK release was like the number three and then RD, Stone from the Sun. And on the US version, for some reason, I guess they thought that'd be confusing or something, so they just spelled out T-H-I-R-D, Third Stone from Uh, the Sun.
2: Yeah.
1: Not that weird. The
0: one that's really weird to me is on the UK version, Foxy Lady. Foxy
1: Lady, yeah.
0: Is spelled F-O-X-Y. And on the u.s version it's spelled f-o-x-e-y and if you showed me those two spellings and had me guess which one would be the uk version i would have guessed e-y, EY a million right? times have e-y does not look right before? for american english no but it's crazy that e-y would be more acceptable in america
1: maybe i definitely talked about somebody with this and how weird it is that foxy lady is spelled differently Yeah but so I'm going to truly on speaking of Foxy lady. I'm just going to skip. Yeah. Third
0: stone is the longest one on the album. Like it's on every Jimi Hendrix album, there'll be kind of a psychedelic jam. And that's really the one, the one on this album.
1: The bass on this, the baseline is fucks insane.
2: Uh, You know, you
1: are cute little Little heartbreaker. (laughs) Like, I know there are a lot of people who are probably Who probably, I don't know, don't like Hendrix Because they're like, well, he's just like the default answer to like who's a phenomenal guitarist Yeah But like, it's been a long time since I've intentionally listened to Jimi Hendrix And holy shit is he fucking good man like i'm not that's not a groundbreaking thing for me to say but like he he deserves it he is in no way overrated (laughs) you know like he deserves all of the hype he gets especially this being his debut album
0: it's pretty nuts i know it is an insanely um accomplished debut like
1: maybe the best debut album
0: yeah, it's especially the US version where you include the singles, and it's like it's literally the first eight tracks are just perfect songs. Yeah. And like fully fleshed out and do not sound at all like a new band.
1: No. Ugh. It's so good. To be old, man. This one is also good. Oh no. Um. His ad-libs are so good though. Like, here I am, baby. Come to come to get ya. So good. All right, should I move on to the next song? The titular song, Are You Experienced?
0: Are you experienced? Oh yeah, which also different from the UK version. No question mark on the UK version American version question mark
1: You would think Lord opposite once again <laughs> okay. Has that opening Like reverse drum track Thing ever been sampled In hip hop
0: It seems like it should be right It seems yeah.
1: I mean like any part of this song I'm gonna go to Who Sampled whosampledwho.com
0: Good idea Oh Oh,
1: yeah, no, that's what it is How I Could Just Kill Man by Cypress Hill
0: Nice, good ears, PJ Even this
1: song, which is like Incredibly experimental There's something with it that is like you can't I don't know it's it's good, it's great. It is. Would I have named the album? No, it's a good name for an album. Yeah, it's good.
0: Um, let's see, do you wanna to get to a couple of the UK album tracks?
1: Let's do it.
0: So, so Red House is the first one that comes up on the UK version that's not on the US. Which I believe is the most, like, yeah, this is like the most classic blues that they're gonna yeah. do on any, I think, recording here.
1: Woody fucking kills it.
0: <laughs> Damn. Such a good run,
1: holy shit. It's insane. How did anybody ever think Eric Clapton was a better guitarist than Jimi Hendrix? Right. Because that was like a huge debate in London at the time. Yeah. Which is so stupid, because Clapton sucks compared to Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. Yeah. Have you, have you heard the story about Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix meeting? I'd love to. So, um, you, you know, like this was at the time where like Clapton is God was spray painted in like every fucking tunnel in um, in London. Yeah. And so like he's playing a show and his manager actually it might be Chas Chandler who like knew uh, knew him from you know being in the Animals and like you know Clapton was in the Birds and all that. Um, uh, he was like, hey, I got this new guy. Um, he's He's good. Uh, Can he come play with you? And he was like, I I guess so, yeah. Like, bring him up. And then um, they, like, both start playing, I think, well, because it was when he was with Cream. So they start playing, like, Sunshine of Your Love or something. And Hendrix just goes off on this, like, amazing run. like just so crazy and like the other two dudes in cream are like vibing with him hard and eric clapton leaves the stage and like hendrix stays up there just fucking doing his hendrix thing and then chas chandler goes back and he's like uh are you gonna go back up there he's like you told me he was good you didn't tell me he was fucking incredible
0: (laughs) that's awesome holy shit yeah that's really funny that's a real peter sellers Oh, we didn't. I don't know if that was on mic at all. <laughs> that
1: wasn't on mic, gotcha. so. God, this that
0: song was the, rules. Yeah, this is really good. I mean, I again, I don't love like traditional blues, but he's just an incredible guitar player, so. Uh, let's see, Can You See Me is the next one from the UK version. The
1: drumming on this is a Honestly, like, I Chaz Chandler is a genius in that he put um, um, uh, Mitch Mitchell, yeah, in this band for real. Like,
0: also, like, for being like a traditional blues structure and chord progression pretty unique like it sounds I don't know if it's just the rhythm exactly or what of the song but it does not immediately strike you as a blues song until I like was listening to the chords and it's like oh this is just a straight blues song but yeah it's like definitely hendrix however you say that
1: well and I think a lot of it is the drums that you don't like yeah I don't know you don't Realize until you like dig into it. Because the drums are fucking going insane.
0: Yeah.
1: Alright, what's the next one? Uh
0: Remember is the last one from the UK version.
1: Another thing where it's just beautiful guitar. Yeah. I'm really glad we're doing this 27 Club so we like had a chance to talk about Hendrix. Otherwise, right? I don't think I would have like given this deep into
0: it. A little peek behind the curtain, like it's hard finding artists that have been around for long enough to do like a full career run in a way that makes yeah. sense. And so this really felt like a good way to group in a lot of people who we'd love to talk about, but just it doesn't yeah. make sense to do when they have like three or five albums, you know, so I'm, um, I'm glad too.
1: Can I, can I tell... This song is beautiful.
0: This is a really, this is probably the best one. I would say this is the best one from the UK version. That Honestly,
1: I, I would have replaced this replace Third Stone Third Stone from the, the from Sun. The sun with this. Yeah. 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 And that would have been a 10 out of 10 album.
0: Yeah. And then if you needed a little more time, you could throw a Red House on there if yeah, you were short on time. Also, yeah. And just have a perfect 12 track debut.
1: Which is, I mean, yeah. damn. They did good. But um, a little peek behind the curtain again. So, I I don't want to take credit for coming up with this podcast.
0: You came up with it. It was. But I did.
1: Yeah. Um, But how I thought about it was, we were talking about doing the Almond Brothers, Mm -hmm. and um, what is what was the drummer's name? It was um, the drummer Butch Trucks. uh, Butch Trucks. Thank you. I didn't know his first name. Um, And Uh, PJ, it's Butch. (laughs) Um, so. We were talking about Butch Trucks, and because he has like a lot of apparently like blogs and stuff, he did in the early 2000s. Yeah, Butch we Trucks gonna...
0: had a blog, it was fantastic. Yeah. You should and everyone then, should go read Butch Trucks' blog.
1: But uh, and then I was like, didn't he like off himself or something? And people mm. was like, Yeah, and then I said, Oh, he was 69 years old, the coolest age to die. And then I was thinking to myself, (laughs) what are the coolest ages to die? Yeah. Definitely 69, 420. And then I was like, but like, truly, besides 69, I was like 27. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Peter's 27. I'll be 27 in a few weeks. (laughs) And then I was like, we (laughs) should do one about the 27 Club while we're 27. Hell yeah. Um, We were like fully on board just to do the Almond Brothers. And then, uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad we did it this It Is way. a good idea. So, Pete.
0: So, that's what are your the thoughts Jimmy on Hendrix Are experience. you experienced or oh, are you asking me?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we were both kind of asking oh, each okay. other.
0: I um, it's it's pretty incredible. Like it's it's a wild album because it's like like some of the Rolling Stones and Beach Boys albums we talked about, like it's just so many hits on the same album yeah. that it's like a little hard to believe. Um and then also it's cool cuz it's it's very of its time like the album art and then a couple of the songs yeah. are like extremely psychedelic but yeah. it's not psychedelic enough to feel dated. Yeah, exactly, to yeah. feel dated. Like even the super psychedelic stuff has kind of a place in like just like weird alt it's rock melodic. and roll I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Like it like... still works. What was
1: what was the shitty album that the Rolling Stones did at her
0: Satanic was? Majesty's request?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um like some of the ones on that it's like I can't listen to this because they
0: yeah. dove
1: way too deep into the psychedelia. Yeah.
0: Hendrix didn't do so, that though. No, I mean like he definitely was super into all the psychedelic stuff, but like just musically at least on this album it didn't like overtake
1: just oh, being good, yeah. fun
0: hard rock basically. Um Yeah. And then, I mean, we'll see how they end up doing on the the next two albums. But special shout out to Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding for being like an incredible backing. Damn, yeah. Band so far, we'll see. I want to say we'll particularly Mitch Mitchell. Oh yeah.
1: Mitch Mitchell. Mitch. He's
0: he's yeah. incredible. So, I think it's a really great album. I kind of agree with you that it's it's at least up there for the best debuts, or yeah. uh, in, as the best debut album of all time. But. All that being said, I think I got to go with like an 8 out of 10 on this. I, it's it's definitely yeah. an incredible album, but I do think Third Stone from the Sun. It brings is, it down for sure. It's not my favorite. Are You Experienced is good, but it's also not my favorite.
1: Can I can I ask you this real quick? Sure. If they had done um, Can You See Me Instead of Third Stone from the Sun yeah. and ended it with Red House, 10 out of 10?
0: I don't know. No, I don't think so. It might, might bump it up to a nine, but just, I can't quite put my finger on it. There's something there that's like, it's a really great album, but it's not quite like, like, I love this album and I really enjoyed listening to it, um, this last few days, but it doesn't, as much as I love Jimi Hendrix, the album as a whole doesn't quite connect with me in a way that I'd be like, this is an incredible. Interesting. It's more just like a collection of good songs together. Um, yeah. yeah. So like I guess the mm-hmm. emotional part of it didn't quite put me up to like a 9 or a 10 out of 10, but I think an 8 for me is is where I got to go.
1: Okay. I think any album with the song The Wind Cries Mary on it deserves <laughs> yeah. a 9 out of 10. It's, I think it's yeah. a 9. Um, I can
0: I can dig it or I get it
1: incredible. Incredible at, like and you know, I've probably listened to this album 10 15 times in my life. Um, yeah. not in a long time though. But I've never listened to it this intentionally. Mm-hmm. And it is like, I don't know. I had some sort of weird reawakening where I was like, holy shit, this album slaps. It's so good. Yeah. Like, it I is. don't know. It's it's crazy.
0: It is really good. It makes me very excited to hear more Jimi Hendrix here. Especially yeah, as we get into, like, I don't think he has a ton of hits off Acts as Bold as Love. Or at least, I don't know. I scanned through the track listing and didn't recognize a ton of songs. so. No, but that's I'm is, intrigued. I am intrigued A lot like, of
1: people think that's his best
0: album. Right. So I'm yeah, I'm so. intrigued to get to, to get to the later era stuff even outside of like like the Purple Haze and Hey Joe that are just huge radio hits. So Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, PJ, well. that's been the first the first episode covering Jimi Hendrix. We'll uh we'll see y'all next time for Axis Bold is Love. And until then, PJ, I'll uh I'll see you at the crossroads
1: and I'll see you on the, um, later foxy lady
0: <laughs> on the other side of that graveyard. Yeah. <laughs>
2: A Beach Boys Boys production.